to church Sunday, but because church is good for you. And if you don't believe me, the Bible blog and the bulletin, you get your Bibles out, your uh, bulletins out, there's a place for sermon notes there. In the, the Bible blog, there was a study done, and there's 52 reasons why going to church is good for you with academic studies behind them. And, and so you can look at all the reasons to go to church, all the, quote, benefits of going to church. But I want to tell you today, going to church is good for you. And you may say, really? I mean, is this what we're doing today? I mean, is this really good for me? I mean, is this really, you know, I, I know that you like to do it, Daryl, because you're a pastor, and so you kind of have to go to church, but really, is going to church that good for me? And, and I want to say it is. Because when you come to church, God does something in your life here that He can do nowhere else. God wants you here so that He can touch your life, change your life, speak into your life. Why does God want us to go to church? What are the deepest reasons? Why is it good for me? And, and why is this His plan for me? I want to look at these reasons today. I want to dive into these reasons. And these reasons have become the mission of our church. Why does God want us to go to church? Why is God going to church good for us? And the first reason is, is that when I come to church, I connect with God. I connect with God when I come to church. Hear me loud and clear this morning. The number one relationship you will ever have in this life is your relationship with God. The number one relationship you will ever have in this life is your relationship with God. The reason being is that your relationship with God determines the direction and the destiny of your life. It determines how you're going to live this life, how you're going to interact with every other relationship that you have. And most importantly, it sets your eternal destiny. Your relationship with God is the most important relationship you will ever have. And when you come to church, you connect with God. We connect with God when we worship Him as we did this morning, when we pray, when we go into His Word and dive in together. That's when we connect with God in all of those things, and that's what we do as a church. And the bottom line is this, you need time with God. You need this time with God. Because if you just live life any way that you want to live it, and you just begin to drift and, and, and just kind of have that time away from God, our natural tendency is to drift away from God. And the farther we drift, the darker, uglier, the more destructive our life becomes. Because left to myself, I'm going to naturally drift away from God. I need to take a time where I say, I'm all in with you, God. I'm going to put away everything that happened this week, everything I'm going through right at this moment. As we sang today, I praise you in the good times, I praise you in the bad times, and I come together and I worship you. And if I don't, I'm just going to drift through life. And when we naturally drift, we drift away from God. I want you to go to Luke chapter 15, and I want to look at a story there. It's probably the most familiar parable that Jesus teaches. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And I want to read that together. And you can look in Luke chapter 15. If you're in your Bibles, just look on the screen. It's right there. And it'll be in the translation I'm reading from in the New Living. But Luke 15, beginning at verse 11, is the story of the prodigal son. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. 
So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Jesus in chapter 15 here is talking to both sinners and Pharisees, and he's telling three stories. The first story is about a a lost sheep that the shepherd goes and looks for. The second story is about a lost coin that a woman has to tear her house upside down to find it. And this last story is the story of a lost son. And the story of the lost son is actually quite different from the first two because in the first two stories, you know, the sheep just wandered off and the shepherd has to go and get the sheep. The coin didn't lose itself, it's just lost. And so the the woman has to tear her house apart just to find that coin. But in this last story, listen to me, the son knew that he was lost. He knew that he was in trouble. And I love that part of Scripture where it says, he came to his senses. He, came, he realized, you know what? I have drifted far away. And I'm staring death in the face. And you know what's beautiful about that? Is, is when he came to his senses and he realized he was lost, he also knew the way home. He knew where to go. He knew his way back home. And today, there are many that are sitting here or listening to my voice that find themselves drifted far away from God. But I also know that you know the way home. That you know where you need to be. You know that you need God. And I just want to say today that no matter how far you've walked away, there's still a place reserved at the table for you. That when you come home, the Father's arms are open wide. And I want to tell you that the arms of this church are open wide as well. When you are lost, you know the way home. You know that you need to be right with God. You know that's the most important relationship in your life. And and somehow, through the things of this life, you just kind of drifted. I want to tell you, today is the day to come home. Come home today. You have a decision to make today. Are you going to keep drifting away or are you going to come home? Come home today. I need moments like we have in worship or in prayer or with God's Word. I need these moments in my life to remind me what that number one relationship is because although maybe I don't stray like the prodigal son strays, there's no doubt that all of us through the week stray in this direction or that direction. We need to come back and recenter ourselves in Christ. 
And that's what we do as we come together, and those are beautiful moments as we draw near to God. And that's what we're called to do. We draw near and He draws near to us. We talked about that this summer. That we draw near to Him and He draws near to us. And I need moments like I have here at church. And I know what the question can be is, well, I know I need a good relationship with God. I know I need to draw near, but can't I draw near on my own? I mean, can't I worship on my own and pray and read the Bible on my own? Can't I just do this by myself? Do I really need to come to church to do these things? And the answer is, yes, you do need to come to church. And the reason is, is because God placed you into His family. You are not a spiritual orphan. And so the second thing we do as a church is we connect with people. That you are not meant to to live for Christ all by yourself. You need other people in your life. You were formed to be a part of God's family. You belong to God's family. You are not a spiritual orphan or a body part that's dismembered from the body. You are a part of what God wants to do in his family. When I began to do some uh, looking at verses, and, and, and I mean, I was amazed at how many there were. I mean, there are probably, I don't, probably five times more than what I'm about to give you. But I just pulled a few out here so that you can see God's word is very clear that he wants you to be a part of his family. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's been God's plan from the very beginning that he would adopt us into his family. The next chapter over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You are meant to be in the family of God. It takes a different turn in the book of Romans when he talks about not just being a part of a family, but being a part of a body. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We are one body. We are called to be together. And when we are separated from our body, when a limb is separated, that limb is dead. We need to be a part of the body. We got a very vivid picture of what that means this last year when Luke was in shop class and and almost severed off his thumb in shop class. You need your thumb, don't you, Luke? You need your thumb in life. And, and, And God's healed him, and it works, and it's all good, and thank you for your prayers. But there's something wrong when you, are, when you are not a part of the body that God wants you to be a part of. And you are called to be a part of that body. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, it says, And all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. We are called to share with one another. There are principles that our church is founded on, not just because they rhyme or Pastor Merrill uh, brought them with him and, you know, 40 years ago, but, but we talk about being a worshiping church, a teaching church, a caring church, and a sharing church, that these are principles from the book of Acts. And you can see them on the banners or in the stained glass or when you walk through the door. We are called to be a caring and sharing church. We are meant to share our lives. There are experiences in our life that we're called to share. We're going to share the joys and the pains. We're going to share the good times and the struggles. We are there to share even our homes as we will do next week with our church picnics in, in all the suburbs across this area. And, and we are called to open our lives to one another and to share. When I travel to Oxford, I, I'm, I'm blessed enough to study and in, in, uh, stay at Christ Church, which is the largest college on the Oxford University campus. And, and the thing I love about staying there is eating in, in the hall for dinner. It's actually the, 
the, the dining hall that they, they used for Harry Potter, where they filmed those movies. And um, so it's this big old dining hall, and they have all these big pictures on the wall. And, um, and there's a picture of all these great men that went to the college, but there's a small picture as you walk out the door of John Wesley, who attended that college. We got a picture there. Uh, and, and I just, uh, in, in case you don't know, John Wesley is kind of my superhero spiritual guy. So I love John Wesley. I love his theology. I love his life. I love what he did. I love what he stood for. And, and uh, so there's just this modest picture of John Wesley, compared to all the other pictures, it's quite modest, but the picture of John Wesley, and, and uh, there it is, and I look at it, I take pictures of it, I stand by it, people think I'm weird, but, but it's John Wesley, and that he, he sat at the same tables I sit at, and he ate there, and, and so I, I think about these things. But while John Wesley was at Oxford, he started a group of young men together, and uh, kind of like a small group today, or an accountability group, or a church group kind of uh, thing, and he called it the Holy Club, the Holy Club. And a lot of people ask him, why are you doing this? And when we go to church, we do always say, why do you have this Holy Club? And so they wrote a, a written response of why they had this Holy Club of guys that got together. And, and here's the reason, and I'll just give them to you. First of all, he said, because we are ignorant and short-sighted and often unable to discern things that are excellent. But God reveals to one what is good for another so that in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. This is actually a principle that's found throughout the book of Proverbs, but there is wisdom when there are a number of people that get together. And, and you might be wise, but, but you're a whole lot wiser with other people in your life, speaking into your life. And they realize that, and, and so we need those other people in our life for wisdom. Another reason is that because we are lovers of ourselves, unwilling to see our own errors, therefore unlikely to amend them, whereas our friends will, with a meek and impartial spirit, show us our faults. It's amazing how when I'm with other people, all of a sudden I, I don't look the best. You know, when I'm by myself, I can excuse anything I do. But when I have other people that really know me and call me out, they, they expose something in me that's hidden that I would kind of hide from everybody else and we need those people in our lives. We need those people speaking into our lives. And next, he said, because we are weak and irresolute, let go, we let go of our integrity upon any opposition, but a band of friends who are like-minded inspire us with courage and confidence. How true is that? Sometimes by myself, I feel so weak, but when I have other people around me, all of a sudden the courage is there. I'm stronger. I'm bolder when I have other people with me in my life, standing with me. And there's something beautiful about that. Finally, he said, because we are lukewarm in religious duties, but a holy fellowship will kindle and keep alive a holy fervor. How true is that? When I'm with other people that are on fire for God, then I get on fire as well. You know, it's the principle of a coal that is uh, uh, kind of all by itself, away from the other hot coals. That coal is going to become cold very quickly when it's all by itself. But when you put that coal with the other coals, the heat that it puts off, you know, the, uh, I want to be around people that ha- are on fire for God. That's what I want to be. I don't want to try and do things all by myself because when I am separated, I am weak. But when we are together, we are strong. I need people in my life encouraging me and challenging me and praying for me. I need people in my life. And this is what, what John Wesley is saying, is we're better together. We're just better when we're together. You are better 
when you are together with other people. And that's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. We need to be together. Inside of your bulletin that you have in your hand right now, there are so many activities for you to be a part of where you can connect with other people. And when when you look at that, and we give announcements, sometimes that's the time, as today you weren't listening to me, and so... Shame on you. But, um, but you know, the, you, we, have this in, 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 we have this announcement time, and it's like, well, I might listen, I might not, I might talk to my friend. Do you know that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he wrote about the, the life of the church, he said that the announcement time should be one of the most sacred times in the life of a church because that's when you're talking about what the church is doing together. You're talking about what the, when the church is really being the church, that's the time that we should sit up and take attention because that is the moment that is sacred. That's when we're being the church. And so when we get together, whether it be the men or the women or the seniors or the young people or or all of us together, when we gather together, something sacred happens. Something powerful happens. I need other people in my life. And when we gather together and we worship and we pray and we hear the word, something comes alive in us. And God has gifted you and given you something to bring with you into the church community. Something only you can do. Like Mark said this morning, men, when you step out of line, there's no one to take your place in line. There's something that God has given that only you can do. And you bring your gifts when you come and we meet together. And that leads us to the final thing. The thing that that happens when we come together as a church, we connect with our calling. You can connect with your calling. God created you for a purpose and a reason, and there's something only you can do. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created you for good things. He wants to do good things in and through you. Have you ever thought of this, that I am God's masterpiece? Have you really thought about that? That God created you. There is something only you can do. There are relationships that only you can touch, whether it be at your home or school or work, wherever you're at, there's something only you can do. And immediately when I talk to people, they say, are you sure? Really? I mean, me? Do you realize how broken or messed up? Do you realize... You know what I realize? Is I realize that God's Word calls you a masterpiece. And that everything works together for good. That even your biggest failure, God can turn it around and make it your greatest ministry. God can do things in your life that you can never imagine. You are His masterpiece. Our family loves uh, the Star Wars movie, and it's probably because we have three boys. And so we have donated a lot of money to the Empire, so to speak, because um, <laughs> we have the movies and the Legos and the swords and the characters, and, and uh, I, I love it. And the boys like going on YouTube and, and, and watching their Star Wars Legos thing. And For me, when it comes to movies, I love watching the behind-the-scenes stuff and how movies are made and stuff. And so I was actually watching a, uh, an interview with James Earl Jones. And so you could do a Google search on YouTube for, for this. But um, the, it talked about how he got the part to be Darth Vader. And when George Lucas began filming, he had a, a, a tall 6'5", 6'7", 
uh, a Scottish actor, very intimidating presence that played the part of Darth Vader. And they began to uh, just roll the first few scenes, and, and the problem with this actor was that he had a very, we'll just say tenor kind of voice, a very high voice, and was not intimidating at all. And so George Lucas says, I need to go out and find the voice for Darth Vader. And so he went out and he found a, a, a kid that was born Mississippi, raised in Michigan, that stuttered his whole life. That was always self-conscious of his voice because it was so deep and he couldn't get the words out. And yet, when George Lucas heard his voice, he says, that's the voice. And he paid him a whole $7,000 and James Earl Jones thought he was the richest man in the world. And he became the voice that we both fear and love. But what I find interesting is, is that the thing that he was the most insecure about became the thing that God used in his life. And I believe that in your life and in my life, that sometimes the things we think are the greatest failures, the things we wish nobody else knew, the things we try to hide so desperately, are the things that God wants to use for his glory, that he's going to use as he shapes you on the potter's wheel and he makes you into the man or woman that he's called you to be. There is something only you can do. And God says, will you join me? Will you roll up your sleeves? Are you willing to sweat for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to go out and work for me? Are you willing to team with your brothers and sisters in Christ? And I want to tell you, there is nothing like teaming together up, as a, up together as a church and working for him and seeing what he does in the world. There's nothing like it. And I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to call you. He wants to use you. And all you have to do is say, here I am. I, I'm always amazed that I even get up here and talk because when I think about my life, and, and I, I, was, I wrote on Facebook a while back of something I was getting to do, and I was like, man, I'm really excited about this, and thank God, or something. And it was something big that I got to do. And, and I got a message from somebody that knew me in high school. I'm not sure where they're at with the Lord, but they messaged me back and they said, man, you've come a long way since high school. And that's the truth. Because I, I kind of was like a nobody. I was the most average nobody kind of guy that, that hid in the background all the time. To, I never even had a thought of, of preaching or doing anything like this. And, and, and now, you know, when you just humble yourself before God and say, God, I don't know if you can use me. There's nothing special about me. I don't know. And then you just say, God, here I am. If you can use me, that's, let's do it. And I guarantee you, he will take your life and he will use you in ways greater than you could ever imagine. He will take you to places that you can never even think about right now because you are his masterpiece. Today, we've, we've got to get this in our heart and mind and we've really got to begin to think about this because you've got to make a personal commitment today. And back to Church Sunday, you've got to make a commitment today. Am I going to connect with God today? Am I going to connect with other people? Am I going to connect with my calling? Am I going to do this, or am I going to just do what I want to do? And then eventually just drift farther and farther away. Am I going to engage and connect? Or maybe today is the day of reconnection for you, because you are lost, and you know the way home, and you know you're supposed to come home, and now is the day you come to your sense and say, yes, I want to do that. Are you going to connect or are you going to run away? Are you going to connect to that most important relationship in your life, the number one relationship you will ever have? Are you going to connect with God today? 
Are you going to go in and, and do what he's called you to do and make that personal commitment? Are you going to connect to other people? Because we are just simply better together. We need other people in our lives. We're going to connect to God's family. Are you going to connect to that calling that he's placed on your life? That you are, yes, I am a masterpiece. Even if I don't feel like it, I know, God, that you can use me because there is something only you can do. The last part of the the story from the prodigal son, I'm going to read it here. And this is where it all comes together. In Luke chapter 15, verses 23 and 24, we come to the end when when the the dad's talking about the, the prodigal son coming home. He says, we must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. You know what I believe church should be every single week? It should be a party where we come to God. Can I tell you one of the coolest things that happened last night? I got an email this morning uh, from somebody who attended last night. And just so you know, as a church, we believe that God speaks in dreams and visions and things like that. And this person was here uh, and sitting in the back on, on Wednesday, or, uh, last night, Saturday night, and she said, we're worshiping God. And she goes, I, have, I had this vision of, of balloons around the ceiling getting ready to drop. They're just these balloons. And she said, it was just kind of the weirdest thing. So she goes, I just put it out of my mind. It's like, that's just weird. That's, I'm just thinking that. It's just weird. And, and she said, when you said the church is to be a party, it's like all the balloons fell down. And, and, I just, and God is speaking loud and clear, I believe. Not just through his word or through a sermon or through a song, but even through dreams and vision. God is speaking loud and clear that when we gather together, it's to be a party. Because we are connecting with God. We are coming together and we are doing what God's called us to do and we are being the people that God has created us to be. And when we get together, this should be a party. As we get ready to worship the Lord here at the end of our service, I want you to think of today not as the finish line. Oh, I came to church. I'm back to church Sunday. But this is actually the starting line for the rest of your life. That this is the starting line to say, you know what? I am all in, and I'm going to run this race. I'm going to connect to God. I'm going to connect with other people, and I'm going to connect with this calling on my life. Today is that starting point for you, and I want you to make that commitment to Him today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, but would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? And we're going to spend some time with God here in just a moment, but I want us to pray first. So just bow your heads, your hearts, and let's just go to the the Lord right now. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to think about your part today. Today is your day to either connect or maybe to reconnect with God, to come home, not only to connect with Him, but to connect with your church family, to connect with His call that's on your life. You may not even understand all these things, but today you can say, I am all in. And when we say we're all in, that's when the party begins. And that's why I believe every time we get together, the church should be like a party as we connect with God and connect with our family and friends in the faith, as we connect with the reason we were created. God, we love you today. God, I thank you for speaking to our hearts on this very special Sunday. 
But Lord, even now as we continue to worship you and and spend some more time with you before we go, God, I pray that we would find that place in you. God, that we would come home. God, that if, if anybody's drifting, even if it's just for a bit or if they find themselves at death's door, God, that they would come home today. And Lord, in in these words that we sing, we would find that place of worship, that place in you, your forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercy, that we would find that our place at the table is still reserved and you're waiting there with open arms. Lord, we worship you today. Would you stand with me? Let's just spend our final moments together today worshiping Jesus.
Praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Jesus into your life and to start afresh and anew with him. His arms are open wide. Your place has been reserved. He's prepared the room for you. And uh, would you just, in whether it be in just a reaffirmation or if you're living at a distance from God today, would you make this commitment and say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just sing that one more time? Let's just worship the Lord and thank him that we're a part of his name. Praise the one who paid my debt Raise his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Raise his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Raise his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Raise his life up. Raise the one who paid my debt and raised his life. 
commitment to, to Jesus Christ today, I just encourage you to, after the service, just come on up and, and grab one of these bags. There's a Bible in here, an explanation of following Jesus, and, and then just come back. You know, for the rest of, of, of this year, we're going to be talking about the Bible, walking through the Bible, story by story, and uh, just, you can pick this up, or you can get it at a Christian bookstore, we're getting $5, but just make sure you have that, and, and let's just learn about the God who loves us so much and calls us to himself. What would a party be without food? Hmm? We need some food, don't we? And, um, and, and we're having food today in honor of, of someone who's very special and a, a new family that's now a part of our church family here. Uh, but uh, I'm just going to invite Mike and Christina Bell, and if they've got their kids, come on down. And Mike is going to be taking over our youth ministry uh, starting this Wednesday night. We've, um, we've known Mike and um, Christina for many years, and uh, whether it be at the college or through Mission Possible and, and uh, working together in those places, but uh, um, we just so appreciate uh, Mike's heart and, and what he's going to be doing. I don't know if you just want to greet everybody, say hi. We're going to have him introduce himself to all the parents and, uh, and students after we have uh, lunch together out there, but um, just say hi to everybody real quick. Hello, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh... It's great to be here on behalf of uh, myself and Christina, and this is Eli Michael, and uh, our son H.T. Henry Thomas, who's he's in the nursery. Okay, so he's being taken care of. So we're just excited to be here, to be a part of this family, and to be a part of uh, what God is doing. So thank you, awesome. Pastor Daryl, for this yeah. opportunity. Yeah, we are. We are. And um, if... Um, if they look a little tired, it's they've been moving all day yesterday into last night, and so, um, so, uh, so give them some grace, and if, if, they fall, if they fall asleep, just nudge them or something like that, but uh, 
But thanks, guys. In fact, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and get out there. And, and uh, while we're grabbing lunch today, we've got pizza and appetizers and, and cake, I think, and cookies and, and stuff. To eat. We're just going to have a party out in the lobby, guys. So we're going to have a lot of fun out there. And uh, so stay as long as you want and hang out. But wait, wait for the blessing of the Lord before we go. But would you please just take time to introduce yourself to Mike and Christine. We're so glad to have them a part of uh, our church family. I'd love to meet you as well, so I'll be out there in just a moment. And so uh, come up and introduce yourself to me. I'm so glad that you're here. If you do need special prayer this week, if something is going on in your life and needs special prayer, I'll just be down front um, and be praying with anybody that needs prayer. Can we do that song one more time as we go? That might be fun. But let's receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon your children, those that follow you. And God, I thank you that your blessing rests upon us even when we start to drift, God, because you call us back to yourself. God, watch over us this week. Keep us safe. Keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you go this morning, fellowship with one another, grab some lunch. I'll see you out there in a couple minutes. If you need special prayer, we'll be down front. God bless you.